Thanks for tuning in to episode 40. That's right. We made it to 40. The Matt and Matt O'Skill Trains podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rochford. And with me, as always, are my co-hosts. Matt Suzuha And Johnny Nugent. Gentlemen, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm excited for tonight's uh, program. As am I. We have a really great guest that I'd be surprised if you don't know about this specific person, but I'm very hyped. And uh, what do you think about our uh, episode 40? We did it. We're, we're 40. We're not over 40. We're, we're, yeah, 40. we're getting there. Okay. But uh, no, I can't believe it. You know, like we've talked on and off the air. It's just, just doing this is a ton of fun and I couldn't be happier. So let's keep going. We got 40 in the bowl. Maybe we'll have, you know, 400 in the bowl. You never know. <laughs> All right. Hopefully we don't have any anchovies or black licorice in the bowl, too. Oh, no, they're 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 in there somewhere. Just got to oh. find them. Oh, OK, like the world's worst pick and mix, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> but you have episode 40. Let's go for it. Yeah, that's that's not a trail mix. That's not a trail I would be on. That was a trail mix. So. Um, as always, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, YouTube and Amazon Music. And of course, I uh, like to mention our Discord server. We are over 150 folks now. So uh, we've had a lot of people join in the last couple of weeks. It's been really exciting. Uh, and guess what? You are invited. That's right. If you're listening to this, you can join our Discord server. This is a public Discord. So again, anybody can join. But you have to acknowledge that you read the rules. And since we are a community server, uh, it's a little different from private servers. Uh, we have a great group of mods and we always make sure people are treated with respect and we keep our community safe. There will be a link in the show notes uh, that you just click on and you will be added into the server. You can introduce yourself and start chatting away. How about our Matt and Matt merchandise? Did you ever want to wake up in the morning and drink out of a Matt and Matt coffee mug or, or perhaps, uh, you know, you want some Matt and Matt pajamas or something? Uh, you know, if you if you're interested in that, well, you can have it. So the link for the Matt Matt merchandise will be in our show notes. And if you use our merch code of M-A-M-P-O-D, you will receive 10% off. Before we start, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Trains.com. If you are looking for a great deal on used and new model railroading products and want top-notch service, then please head over to Trains.com where they have about over 120,000 products with new ones added every day. You can also sign up for their newsletter to see newly listed and newly discounted products and receive advance notice of upcoming promotions. Now, I've been using Trains.com myself as well as my co-hosts, and we highly recommend them to our listeners. Now, if you're like us and you're always on the lookout for your next engine, join the Trains Rewards program to earn points on every purchase and unlock future discounts. And if you're an avid collector and want first dibs on new items, sign up for the private car membership to get early access to new listings, earn five points per dollar spent, and unlock great benefits like no questions asked returns. Now, guys, don't forget that uh, you'll need parts to keep your engines and cars operating smoothly. And to do this, Trains has a collection of 15,000 plus parts available on their website for any item you may need. And also, if you're interested in downsizing your collection or know someone who is unfortunately leaving the hobby, Trains also buys collections. 
So head over to sellmytrains.com to get a quote. And Trains makes it easy to sell your collection. Now, if you do plan on buying from them, please use our affiliate link, which is www.trains.com slash MMOP. You can also use our unique one-time promo code MMOP for $10 off a single purchase on the trains.com website. So let's talk about tonight's episode. So tonight on the podcast, we will be interviewing none other than Jason Stuckert from the JD Stucks Model Railroad YouTube channel. Jason, welcome to the podcast, sir. Thank you for having me. I did not know I was going to have the honor of being episode 40. So congratulations and thank you all for having me. Well, no, well, thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, as we say to all our guests, you know, we appreciate you taking the time uh, out of your schedule to come onto our humble podcast and just talk about model railroading, which is something we obviously love to talk about. Absolutely. And I would echo what you said about your Matt and Matt Discord server. It's a great place for people to interact in the hobby. And I'm seeing a lot of young people involved too. So that's really exciting. Definitely uh, anyone listening should check that out if they haven't already. Yep. We have a great group of people in there. We, we do, in fact, have a lot of big YouTubers in there as well, who you can indeed uh, interact with and sometimes even get on the uh, get in, into the voice chat as well. So, again, uh, like we said before, everybody is welcome. You just have to click on the link and uh, acknowledge that you read the rules and we'd love to have you. So. All right. Well, let's get started. Unless uh, Johnny uh, or Matt Z, do you guys have anything? No, I just uh, really think big thanks, Jason, for uh, coming on tonight. I'm looking forward to tonight's uh, interview. Very much so. Yeah, Jason, we're very honored to have you on here. I think a lot of folks listening grew up watching your stuff, myself included. So to have you on the podcast is a big honor. So can't wait to see what we have in store tonight. Well, I like to think that I grew up watching myself, too, because I'd like to think that I'm still somewhat young and that I haven't really grown up. But. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get started. Uh, so the how this works, Jason, is uh, I'm going to start off, ask you some some questions. Uh, I'll pass it over to uh, Matt Z and Johnny, and they can ask their questions. And then, you know, we can talk in general about the model railroad, model railroading industry. Uh, so let's just get started here. Uh, you probably if you listen to the podcast, you've probably heard some of these questions before, uh, but I do like to ask them. So uh, number one. When and who got you started in model railroading? Well, I would probably say I was into model railroading from the time before I could even walk. And that's not an exaggeration because we have home movie footage of me sitting on my dad's lap while he shows me how to power the transformer to his little four by eight sheet of plywood Lionel layout. And I am less than a year old in that footage. So it's been part of me, at least the hobby has been part of, of me and who I am since I can, I can remember. Uh, so it was, I would say, originally my dad, as it is with many of us. Uh, my dad had an old Lionel train set on a little four by eight sheet of plywood and it only came out during the Christmas and winter months when I was very little. But I fell in love with that 
layout pretty quickly. And so it ended up just staying out all year long. Um, we also had, we had a boat on the Vermilion River and it was docked right between the Norfolk Southern Chicago line and the Norfolk Southern X nickel plate line. So I grew up seeing trains constantly and my grandparents would take me to see trains and we'd walk around the railroad tracks, even though it's technically legal and you shouldn't do that. Um, and we had some church friends who were into O-scale trains as well. And I grew up seeing some really impressive layouts uh, and watching TM books and videos. And so a basement with trains in them was kind of normal to me. And it just, the bug never left me. So I, I, I really credit, I would credit my dad for initially getting me into the hobby. Um, he unfortunately passed away when I was very young, but my, my stepfather um, has been my father since I was very young as well. And he was very supportive with the hobby and helping me build a couple layouts. And my mom was always supportive. And like I said, a lot of church friends uh, were into the hobby as well. So they, they always knew that, you know, young Jason was into trains and I never went through that phase of, you know, you, you go through high school and college and you get away from the hobby. It was, it, it was the opposite. It only, the hobby has only intensified as I've gotten older. So maybe that's a, a dangerous trend. I don't know, but um, yeah, it's, it just continues to be what I enjoy and uh, very, very thankful for the people in my life who, you know, encouraged me to keep sticking with the hobby uh, as a kid growing up. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great to have support like that and family that are, are interested in the same hobby that you are. And they don't even have, it's not even that they have to, you know, they have to be in it. Right. Or be really, really close to it. Is it, it's just that they're, they enjoy supporting you in the hobby. Exactly. Exactly. Cause I wouldn't say my, my parents weren't giant model railroaders. They just kind of allowed me to go along with this obsession. I guess you could say, and, um, they would at least help me get started with something or, my dad would often help me start the bench work and then he'd cut me loose and I'd go do everything else like track work and the wiring and the scenery. Um, and, you know, before I could even drive, they would take me to the train store a couple times a year and occasionally buy me something or, uh, you know, Christmas and birthdays, there were always model trains. That's awesome. And, this kind of leads into my second question because obviously it shows that you've really enjoyed moderate running all your life because you've had your YouTube channel for almost you're coming close to 15 years. That's scary to think about, which is incredible. So what made you, what made you decide to a start a, a, a railroad moderate running train channel and b like, what is your motivation behind that? Well, 
when I started building my last layout, I was a senior in high school. So that would have been the start of 2009. So that tells you my age right there. I'm 31 years old. Um, but YouTube had just kind of started to turn into a friendly platform for everyday Joe to upload a video. And you could find a video on just about anything, but there weren't really that many model train YouTubers. I mean, there were a YouTuber wasn't really a thing back then, let alone a model train YouTuber. But I did find a few people who had posted some videos of their layouts or were in the process of building a layout. You know, Nick, PJ's train fanatic, and Eric Siegel were two of them. They started their layouts pretty much the same time that I had started my layout. And so I just thought, well, what the heck? I have this little digital camera that I got for, I think it was Christmas. And I just threw it on the front of a flat car and pushed it around the start of this layout I was building and put it on YouTube and didn't have any good editing, had terrible video quality, terrible audio, but hey, it showed the layout that I was working on. And some people actually watched it and a couple people even commented on it. And it was like, oh, wow, people actually took a look at this. That's exciting. Maybe uh, as I go along, I can post some more videos. And what it really turned into was not only was it fun to share the layout, because I mean, I didn't have that many people to share the layout with, right? I was an 18 year old. It's not like all my friends were building train layouts too. YouTube was a great way to share the layout. But then I went off to college and the videos ended up becoming my own kind of personal blogs to benchmark where I was at, enjoy the progress that I had made while I was gone and away from the layout because the layout was in my parents' basement. Um, And then I could plan ahead of time, what was I going to do the next time I was visiting? So I could watch a YouTube video, the last one I did, and remind myself, okay, this is where I left off. What do I need to do to prepare for the next round of scenery or wiring or track laying? And so I really kind of did that all through college. And by the time I was a senior in college, the layout was done. And I had a pretty nice little following of a few thousand subscribers, I'd say. And... I guess enough people watching and interested in what I what I did um, that I I wanted to keep going with it. But you know, you leave college. Yeah, I moved to a couple different areas. I lived in Chicago. I lived in Indiana. I lived in Ohio again for a short while, and then finally, I bought this house here in Detroit, Michigan, where I was able to start another layout from really the ground up and it kind of reinvigorated me with YouTube amongst a lot of other factors that I guess you could say reinvigorated me to up my game and really, really take this more seriously than I ever had. And these interactions with people, you asked what inspires me to, to do these and to keep going. And I didn't realize it. I think over the years I was building the last layout, I didn't realize how many people were really watching and were being inspired by those until I started meeting some people in person, connecting with people on social media, and they all knew the layout. 
and they all knew my YouTube channel and I would could go to a, a train show or a store and people knew who I was and they would say like, Oh, I, I love your, you know, your layout or I love your last layout. And yeah, you inspired me to, to go, go out and buy a, a, a new set and get into the hobby. And yeah, my, my son and I got into the hobby because of you. And that, that really changed my perspective from, wow, I, I can, I think I can actually make some kind of impact in this hobby and inspire people to get involved. And that's really cool. And I, so I try to do that where I, I don't just make videos of here's my layout. I try to post content that I guess will inspire people to want to become involved in the hobby as well and share their layouts. Uh, so so getting those kinds of responses and feedback, that kind of positive feedback from people really, really excites me to keep posting videos and to keep making progress on the layout. It's kind of a long-winded answer, but um, as you said, I've been doing this for almost 15 years. Um, it's a, been a slowly evolving uh, process, I guess you could say. I didn't bust out on the scene as the biggest guy. I never was the, the biggest YouTuber, but I was always kind of there in the model train world and just kind of chugging along, no pun intended. And I just, I never died out. And I, I think I, I strive to only improve my YouTube channel and to build the best layout I can. And we'll see, we'll see how it turns out. Got a ways to go. But you were definitely one of the uh, one of the content creators that I started watching first for you know O scale model railroading. You know you, like you said, you Eric, Nick. Um, you know so you know big thanks to you for being an influencer and for showing that like O scale model railroading can be fun. And you know you had your your layout was just fantastic. I mean your new one's going to be incredible. I know, but. Just your first one was just, I loved like the tracks in the front with all the crossings and you just had this, it just it was so great looking and you can tell like you put your heart into it. Uh, you know, for me, like following you, like I loved like all of your posts and I, I always followed you and stuff like that. And I may not have, you know, earlier on, I may not have said anything in the comments, uh, but I certainly did watch your stuff and uh, you did, uh, inspire me to do a lot of things on my layout. Uh, plus you were a huge MTH guy too. And, and uh, I'm a huge MTH guy as well. So it was great. Uh, you know, when you would show off like that new MTH engine and stuff like that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, and so much of what I was doing was a result of being inspired myself by what other YouTubers were doing or what I would see in magazines or in a, TM books and videos. And as most people know, um, I was a big fan of the Black Diamond Railway DVD series. And so, so much of what I was doing was inspired by those, uh, I guess, those sources of content. So inspiration drives inspiration, I guess you could say. All right. So let's move on to my next question. Uh, now, this... Uh I think a lot of people that know you might know the answer, but you know what? You may even surprise us. But uh, what is your favorite railroad and why? 
Well, this question even makes me laugh these days because I get teased about it quite a lot. And it's not quite as straightforward as you might think, but the answer in short is Norfolk Southern, but more specifically lately, it's been Norfolk Southern and its predecessor railroads. So as I mentioned earlier, I grew up in Northeast Ohio, Northern Ohio area. And again, we had a boat in Vermilion, Ohio, and it was where the ex New York Central, New York to Chicago line went through and the ex Nickel Plate Road. So as a kid, one of those was Norfolk Southern and the other one was Conrail. These days it's all Norfolk Southern. But as I've grown older, I've become more interested in the history of those railroads. So I've gotten a little more into New York Central and Nickel Plate Road and now Conrail. So in my videos, you obviously see a lot of Norfolk Southern, but you'll also occasionally see some New York Central, some Nickel Plate Road, and I'm really hunting for some Conrail, which is pretty difficult to find these days. But yeah, in short, it's Norfolk Southern simply because that's what I grew up around. And those black and white engines as a kid was just like a rolling cloud of thunder coming down the rails. It was kind of scary as a kid, but really awe-inspiring. And that really stuck with me uh, growing up. I always wanted to build a layout that allowed me to kind of experience that from the comfort of my home. Um, I, I picture I can picture myself being right there, watching these trains come flying through the, the small towns through Sandusky, Huron, um, Vermilion, Ohio, just trying to recreate what I grew up with. Speaking of trains that you love, is there a, uh, is there a Holy Grail engine or like a piece of rolling stock that you are, that has still eluded you? That's a good question. I'd say there's several. I wouldn't necessarily say one is a Holy Grail item. I've been fortunate enough to locate most of the trains that I looked for as a kid. Uh, lately, I've been trying to acquire a MTH Erie Triplex, which I think all three of you know about. And I'm, I might be close. I also might be very far away. I'm not sure, but <laughs> I, I have one on layout right now that I'm borrowing. And it's, I always knew that was a cool engine and seeing it run around my layout. I'm like, I have to have one on this layout. I, now that I've seen one run here, it belongs on this layout. So trying to get that eerie triplex, like I said, uh, Conrail has been very elusive lately. Apparently MTH didn't make all that much of it. Uh, I, I know you guys will tease me and say, Oh, just buy something from Lionel. But MTH made the diesels that I'm really looking for in Conrail. So, and then as far as freight cars go, I put one of those Holy Grail items on YouTube a few weeks ago. It was that Atlas Berwick high cube boxcar with Norfolk Southern on it and went from never seeing one to now I own two, actually. A, a good friend of the Detroit Three Railers just sold a second one to me. And I, I hope. 
I do have hopes of what maybe Atlas will make, which is more intermodal equipment, hopefully some spine cars someday, some modern JV Hunt Swift containers. I've been trying to hit up Atlas on that recently. So they're kind of niche items. Not everyone would would go for that stuff. Most people would have some really cool steamer or I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of boring in that sense, I guess. Well, patience is a virtue. So, uh, you know, I feel the same way. Like you never know, like you think something will lose you forever and you'll never see it. And then it comes in droves, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It always happens that way. So I never thought I would own a, uh, you know, a Santa Fe Blue Goose steam engine. And um, it, it it's all of a sudden one day it was it was available to me. And then I saw a whole bunch online and I was like, what the heck is like, is somebody getting together and like putting all these up or something? But exactly. yeah, it, it, I don't, it's weird and strange how those things happen. But uh, as yeah. a kid, I always wanted a big boy and that was an item that seemed unobtainable to me. And now I'm fortunate enough to have one on my layout. So that was kind of a holy grail item for years. And um, yeah, like I said, I'm lucky enough to have one now. I feel like for me, that's my uncharted Jay. I know when, uh, when Sid got his and did his video on it, it's like, you know, Oh, I really want one. So all of a sudden I bought one and then, you know, our buddy Zach, uh, both Zach, Zach from Junkers trains and country bunker Zach. Uh, they both got one. It seems like they're all over the place now. So it's like, it's really cool to know that, you know, you all got the stuff that we've been chasing for for a while. Yeah. And I keep asking myself that really rare engine, just how rare is that, Matt? Because everyone seems to own one now. That's true. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, this thing is so rare. You'll never be able to find it. All of a sudden, boom, four people within like a month. Boom, 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 boom. Well, you know, it is a rare it. engine. It just has gained an appreciation now. And so the people who have them want to, they want to bring them to the public, which is really cool. I'm oh, yeah. glad you guys all have done that because it is a very, very cool, unique engine. Mm-hmm. It, it's a fun one for sure. Yeah. And just, uh, just really quickly going back to the Erie Triplex. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not an East Coast Railroad guy, but I, I think those are one of the coolest steam engines like ever built. Uh, and I actually had an Imperial version several years ago. Uh, unfortunately, I, when I was kind of getting rid of a lot of my, uh, semi-sale stuff i ended up uh, ended up selling it but um even the imperial version was just really really cool yeah and it's not even that it's it's not the biggest steam engine right i mean you put it next to a big boy it's not nearly as long it's maybe not as tall as another one but it has this beefy presence to it i think it's it's that extra set of drivers it just, it it looks like it just has this aggressive bulldog stance to it. And you, you got to run it slow. You know, that's not a train you run fast. You run yeah. it slow so you can see all of those, all three sets of those drive gears going at once. It is just, oh, I, I have to film the video for it in the next week or two. I'm, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, the functionality behind it is just awesome to see all of that gearing move. And let's be honest, the tender 
as a smokestack on it. So like that, that's just the, yeah, that's just cool the cherry on that, top. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Very, um, very, I'm trying to think of the word, very kind of industrial revolution feel to it with that steam yes. stack on the back. Absolutely. Like, uh, that's a good way to say that. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of younger listeners on our pod, listen to our podcast. We have a lot of people that are just coming into the hobby. What advice would you give to someone that's just starting out in the O-scale model railroading hobby? Oh, my goodness. Well, I've said I could write a book about this, and maybe one day I actually will. Um, a very common question I get from young people is, of course, how to get into the hobby or really how to start planning for a layout. And the first thing I would say is take your time in planning it. I like to start the old fashioned way. I sit down with a big sheet of graph paper and map out the space I have. And with a pencil, I can draw up a table, make corrections, try things out, and eventually move it over to a layout planning software. I did not do that with my last layout, but I did it with this one and I'm very thankful that I did. I used SCARM, S-C-A-R-M, allows you to use really any track system and view a layout in 3D. So I would spend lots of time with the, the planning of the layout and think about what you want. You know, look at, gather some inspiration from videos or magazines or online YouTube channels. See the elements that you want to incorporate into your layout. And it's okay to take advice from people and ask their opinion. But at the end of the day, don't let anyone pressure you into doing something you don't want to do on the layout or tell you that you can't put in a certain element. At the end of the day, it's going to be your layout, your money, and they get to go home. They don't, they don't live in your home. You deal with the layout. You live with the layout day in, day out. So make sure that you're doing what you want and it's going to make you happy. I was very fortunate when I built my layout. I had a few people give me a hand that all they cared about was, all right, what's your vision? What do you want to get done? So you know, keep those kind of people around you and don't let anyone pressure you into doing something on your layout that you don't want to do. I actually did have somebody tell me that I couldn't do what I wanted to do in my basement. They said it wouldn't fit. My curves wouldn't fit. Um, Lower reverse loop wasn't going to work. Upper reverse loop, all those things weren't going to work. And that person was just so negative. And I'm glad I didn't listen to him because he was wrong. And my current layout's proof of that. Um, I would encourage the young people to, you know, look to some of the look to some of the social media with layouts now and you'll find that there's a lot of other young people involved in the hobby uh, facebook uh, instagram discord and several others are really great ways to see other young people getting involved in this hobby and it's a great way to kind of join this community because that's something that I really didn't have growing up as a kid. Um, and it's, it's there now for a lot of us young people. And I would just say there's no 
right or wrong answer. There's no right or wrong way that you have to build a layout. You have to be willing to try things out and be okay with making mistakes and just go in with the realization that it's okay if you have to tear something down and start over again. Uh, I have built, I'm now on my sixth layout and every single layout I made mistakes that just better prepared me for the next one. And I think one of my favorite things in the past, really, I want to say year, uh, Norm Charbonneau, who many people know in this hobby, he's, he's one of the best out there in three rail O scale. He posted a video documenting the construction of his current layout. And he had built the bench work for an entirely different design than what he currently has. And he got really far along and it really looked great as far as I was concerned. But things just weren't turning out the way he wanted them or was expecting them. And rather than pushing forward, he said, eh, I'm going to tear this all down and start over. And I kind of thought, oh my gosh, what are you doing? But then you see what he ended up creating instead. And you see how well it works. It's like, you know, yeah, if if you aren't happy with the way it is turning out, you can always tear something out or tear it down and start over. And I have done that with my current layout a few times too. I laid down some track or built some bench work and thought this is what I wanted and realized, oh, that's not going to work. That didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. And I redid it. And so you need to just understand that you're going to make some mistakes, but you just have to learn from them and you will improve as a modeler every time you make those mistakes. And even though my layout's not done, I have noticed I've been making many fewer mistakes. And that's just a result of doing it again and again and learning from what I did the first time. So don't be afraid to get your hands dirty, try things out, and maybe even make mistakes. No, I, thank you. I, I think that's really great advice. You know, it's yeah, it's, well it's, said. Yeah, I think a lot of folks at least starting out sometimes too are kind of hesitant to at least, you know, I think the hardest part is just, you know, starting out like nailing that first nail or getting that first board installed. And it's honestly like everything is, everything evolves, you know, you know, get put put the wheels to the rail, you know, just, just do it, just do it, just get started. Look, you know, I'm a good example of this. You know, I've had my layout for, I don't know how long it's been now, five years, six years. And I recently just expanded it out so I could have 060 curves. Like, I didn't even think I could do that. But all of a sudden, I just realized, like, hey, if I do the math right and I do this right, yeah, this will work. And you know what? It ended up working. And it's literally the best thing I've ever done on my layout. Uh, and um, I took all of the mistakes, like you said, took all the mistakes that I made originally. And I applied them to, you know, the modification that I did, I rewired, rewired all the power, you know, all the turnouts, stuff like that. And, uh, and now it's better than it was before. So it's, um, you know, it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing just to, like you said, get your hands dirty, just start it. You can always change it. You can always modify it, but, you know, learn those skills because the one thing, and we've all kind of known this before, 
The one thing about modern railroading is it encompasses so many skills, electrical, woodworking, um, you know, a little bit of computer knowledge too with some of the software, um, just all kinds of things that you're painting, you know, and when it comes to like landscaping and crafting, I mean, there's just so much that you can learn. And um, I think that's one of the, you know, one of the great things I like about this hobby is, um, you know, it's not just, it's really fun running your engines, but it's also really fun creating the layout to run those engines on. Absolutely. When, I mean, I've been wiring layout since I was a kid. And when it came time to do the wiring, when I was finishing my basement, that was the easiest thing in the world to me. And electrical would terrify a lot of people, but it's pretty straightforward if you know the basics and doing model railroading helped with that. It was a lot less scary and much more easier to understand uh, if I had, if I had instead not been involved in the hobby. All right. I am going to go ahead and pass the mic over to Matt Z and, uh, and see what questions he has in store for you. All right. Uh, first question I got out of the gate is uh, kind of circling back to what uh, Matt R. asked. Uh, it was kind of your inspiration. I know you said that you're very heavily influenced by uh, names like Rich Batista and Eric Siegel and uh, people like that. What kind of uh, why do you look to those people is the question I'm going to ask. Uh, what makes you use them as a, a resource or a source of inspiration? Well, Rich Batista's original Black Diamond Railway DVD um, knocked me on my butt, is the most polite way to say it. When I was a kid in high school back then, I wasn't about to get out of the hobby, but I didn't really know where to go. And along comes this guy who posts this video of this incredible layout that looks realistic, operates smoothly uses this new MTHDCS system that I didn't really know anything about. And he showed you step-by-step step how you could build that. It made me think, wow, I could actually build something like that for myself. And then he came out with three more DVDs after that. And each one of them followed the same kind of, produced this wow factor that made me watch it again and again and made me think I have to create something like that of my own to enjoy. And again, he would lay out the steps. Here's how you could do it. And I think that's why I was always so drawn to his videos. Um, and then I, I met him a couple of years ago and it turns out he watches my videos on YouTube. And I was really cool to, to chat with him and know that he had become a fan of my YouTube channel and layout. I'm like, I'm like, wow, well, you know, here, this is the guy that I admire so much and he's actually complimenting me on the job that I did. So Rich was kind of the natural inspiration for me to keep building layouts and really taught me the, most of the things that I know. And I still go back to his videos to remind myself how to do things as I build this layout. And then Norm Charbonneau, I've known of his work for years. But then I moved up to Detroit and 
turns out we live very close to each other. And he's a member of the Detroit Three Railers. And then I became a member of the Detroit Three Railers. So one of the first layouts I got to go see when I moved up here was Norm's. And if you think it's impressive on video, when you see that layout for the first time, I'll never forget, I walked into his basement and I got to the first maybe four foot section of his layout. And it took me nearly a half hour just to move away from that one section because I was so drawn in with the detail and the realism that he created. I just, I'd never seen anything like it. And I've seen some really great layouts. I just, I have not aspired, I have not tried to reach his level yet because I mean, I haven't started scenery, but man, does, does he do a lot of things right? And, you know, my little peninsula turntable area is somewhat similar to his where it's sort of off to the side. So uh, that kind of did, that did inspire me a little bit for how I was, I'm building my current turntable area, but you see the way that he mixes and matches colors and all the weathering he does. I mean, he has created what is, you know, the, the pinnacle of three rail model railroading in, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, uh, I completely agree with, uh, with Rich, you know, I've, I remember watching him when I was young, you know, my dad sat me down and watched, made me watch the videos and time and time again. And I bought them all. And I, like you, I still use them. You know, when I got, when I was wearing my AIU, I went to two things. I went to the DCS companion from Barry Braskowitz and I went to Rich's video. Those were the spots I went to, to learn how to do stuff with DCS. And I think that uh, he's just a huge inspiration. Uh, Norm. Yeah. You want detail and scenery. He's the man. He is just fantastic all the way. Yeah. And I, I have to mention, uh, you had mentioned Eric Siegel too. And as far as YouTube's concerned, you know, he really paved the way for how a lot of us on YouTube uh, post videos. And so it, it would be, um, it would be, I, I have to give a shout out to him because I watched his layout be built and watched all of his videos. And obviously he's been wildly successful. Um, so as far as posting YouTube videos, um, yeah, he certainly has been a, a huge inspiration for, for me. And, and I know pretty much all of us who are involved on YouTube. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He is, he's the man when it comes to doing uh, videos for sure. All right. Another question I had for you was uh, on your layout, specifically the design of it. Uh, we talked about Rich, so uh, we know that your layout's heavily inspired by Rich. So uh, we'll we'll keep that in mind. But uh, your part, the probably the coolest thing on your layout is the double reversing loop where it goes underneath, comes back up, and then does it on the upper level. What what was the uh, kind of inspiration to do that because I think you're the only guy I've seen at least with free rail O skill that's done that. It's really really cool. Well, a lot of guys do it on one level, the double reverse loop. They don't usually take it up to a top level and then go to a middle level to a lower level under the layout and do, and do it down there either. And I understand why because 
both times I've done it, it's been extremely difficult and a real pain to actually build the bench work to do that. Um, it is an element that was built into Rich Batista's layout. It was a little different than what I did. His actually went to a visible lower level where it could continue uh, a loop in the middle of his layout. I did not do that. I hid mine entirely on the last layout, which I, I really liked. I liked that the train totally disappeared and would come back about a minute later facing the other direction. The one element I really wanted to have when I, as I built this new layout was I wanted the, when it connected to the middle level, I wanted there to be a, an extra loop that it could continue on the middle level if it wanted to. Um, but I also have very long freight trains. And so I wanted some extra storage and I wanted to be able to turn them around without taking all the cars off the track. That would save me a lot of time. Uh, I just, I realized that having these double reverse loops and having them not interfere with all the other loops on the layout it makes for really fun operations. I can run my big 20 car plus freight trains and I can turn them around in any direction. I don't have to take anything off the layout. I usually have, you know, seven or eight freight trains that I can swap out to have ready to go at a moment's notice. Um, but on this, on the last layout, it was almost an afterthought. It was like, Oh yeah, and I'd like to have this lower reverse loop. And so it was a real pain to build that. Um, Chris from Chris's Trains and Things is experiencing that right now because he's doing that. But on this layout, I knew from the start it was an element I wanted to have, so I was able to plan a little bit better. Um, but any, it doesn't matter how big the engine is or how long the the consist is. They're able to travel up all these grades and go around these reverse loops. And I'm able to park. I can park two full length trains under the layout and nobody even sees them. And yeah, it's, it's so much fun when I, I'm running the trains around and for my own enjoyment and they're, they're switching around every different direction. I'm, I have to like pinch myself cause I'm like, wow, I, this was, <laughs> I always dreamed of having this layout or a layout like this. And, it's it's coming to reality that's that's really cool and i kind of take it to a similar story with like your turntable error because i know that was not part of your last layout but uh, that's really cool to have that as well yeah it was i just didn't have space on the old layout but that's another thing kind of like having a, a a big boy on the layout it's like oh, someday maybe someday i'll have the space to be able to have a roundhouse and turntable and fortunately and moved into this house with this basement and there was more than enough room to do that. Um, so it's so getting old isn't all bad. You get to make some of your childhood dreams come true like this. That's uh, that's really cool. Yeah. I'm hoping uh, one of these days I can throw a turntable in cause I would love that. All right. I got one more for you. And this is, this is, I think probably a running joke at this point. Uh, so one of your nicknames is quote unquote, Mr. MTH. <laughs> and uh, 
Well, I, I, I always love that. What's that? was coming before you even asked it. <laughs> it. It wouldn't be an interview without Norfolk Southern or Mr. MTH. So we have to do it. Uh, why MTH and I guess, why haven't you gotten into fully into legacy uh, locomotives? Okay. Uh, is the question I'm going to ask. In, in my defense, I am not anti-Lionel. In fact, I'm very much pro Lionel, especially when it comes to rolling stock. Because if you were to look at receipts of what I've bought over the last five to eight years, it's overwhelmingly Lionel. Um, you know, 30 plus tank cars, 20 auto racks, mill guns, um, I, you know, over 50 coal cars in the last year, all of them are Lionel. So I, I, I'm not anti Lionel, but I do currently only have MTH DCS engines. I have a legacy system that's hooked up in anticipation for my first legacy engine. But yes, right now I only have MTH DCS equipped engines. The main reason for that is I think it was just the, it was really the ready, the readily available system when I built the last layout. The two train stores that were by me were very heavily MTH and both of them stocked DCS systems and locomotives. And after I had just watched um, Rich Batista's video, he was using MTH DCS. And in fact, at the time, I don't even know if Lionel Legacy had come out yet or maybe it had just come out. But for me, it was, I think, a matter of availability. And, you know, I bought my first couple MTH engines and I absolutely loved them. And as a young guy who was kind of tight on a budget, MTH engines were in general a little bit less expensive than Lionel. So it just kind of made sense. Um, fast forward to today and I am, I am very close to having my first legacy engine on the layout. I do have one pre-ordered out of the last Lionel catalog. So once that arrives, it'll be a very, very big day on the JD Stucks YouTube channel. Uh, but I will, I will mention though, I actually have bought a legacy engine in the past. Um, I did buy the Lionel Anniversary Polar Express. I think back in 2015, but I was living in, in an apartment back then. I didn't have legacy or a layout to run the engine on and the prices were through the roof on those things. And I was able to sell it and make a bunch of money and buy wheels for my car, which is my other hobby. So today I kind of regret selling it, but um, technically I've bought one before, but None in my ownership right now. One is coming very soon. That's that's a that's a really good answer. I said we like to tease you with that one, but uh, well, that's uh, okay. what's that? I said that's okay. You can tease me. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, that's a uh, that's a good answer. No, Lionel Rolling Stock. You know, I'm telling you, I love the uh, your layout, and obviously all your stuff. Uh, but my one train that I really can't get enough of is that ethanol train i love that set that one is fantastic yeah they did a nice job with 
with those cars, although they're a little too lightweight. They like to derail, but um, maybe you need to edit that part out because I said something bad, but <laughs> they are very cool cars. I have them on the layout right now. I have, I think, 24 or maybe I have more than that. I had 35 at one point and it was just too many. I So I sold a couple of sets, but Lionel has really stepped up their game as far as modern rolling stock goes, which I appreciate. Um, besides Atlas, um, I, I mean, I'd really say Lionel more than anyone has thought outside of the box of what can we, what can we bring to the hobby that's big, modern scale? You know, what, what is our modern demographic? What do they want? Like in those big auto parts box cars, like those are a home run. They make an, a great auto rack. Um, those mill guns are super nice. Um, so they're, they're doing a great job um, with rolling stock, in my opinion. And I hope they continue to do, to do more items like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's, it's always really cool when uh, you open up a Lionel catalog and you see, you know, obviously all, all the items are great. But, you know, when you see stuff that really piques your interest, it's just all the more better. I believe that's all I have. So we'll throw it over to Johnny now. Thanks, Matt. So uh, I know, Jason, you gave us permission to to poke some fun at you. So I'm going to take full advantage of that and run with it. So oh boy. Uh, going back to what you said, you, you being Mr. MTH here. Um, so uh, I got a chance to visit you uh, earlier last year and stop by one of your favorite hobby shops that's that's near you, uh, Stockyard Express. Yes. And that place, for anyone who hasn't heard of Stockyard Express, um, I'll, I'll have you kind of give us a little summary of what they're like and your experiences there. But they are probably the MTH capital of O-Scale. Like I, you walk in there and the walls are just either Rail King yellow and orange or Premier Purple. Um, how'd you stumble upon them? And uh, what, what's been your experience with Stockyard Express? Yeah, well, you, you, you nailed it. I mean, it's a ginormous train store and they do carry more Lionel now than they used to. But when I first went to the store, they were almost entirely exclusive MTH. I didn't know the store existed for a while. Uh, I think a family friend mentioned it to us and said, you've got to go check out this hobby shop in Oberlin, Ohio. And they, they warned us. They said, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's on a farm. It's literally on a dairy farm. And they weren't kidding because you drive to this place and you're on a gravel road. And you pull in and there's cows in the back and there's barns everywhere. But right there in the middle is a barn with railroad signs and it says Stockyard Express. And it is quite literally a barn stocked with trains from the floor to the ceiling everywhere you go. And it was impressive back then. And then they doubled the square footage. Actually, they more than doubled the square footage with the second room that they added. And it shouldn't be a surprise why having a hobby shop that close to you that stocks that much MTH, it shouldn't be a surprise of why I was so heavily invested with MTH engines and DCS. But uh, like I said, they've they've diversified um, quite a bit in the last few years. They have a lot of Lionel in there now. I've seen a lot more Atlas. Uh, they used to stock 
very heavily with Weaver, but they're still one of the premier stores for MTH. They're really one of the most premier stores in the entire country. I mean, it's a destination. People drive there from all over the country. People fly in. In fact, there's a guy who flies his helicopter out there so he can buy trains from Stockyard Express. And, you know, they have great customer service. It still has kind of that mom and pop uh, you know, feel to it with uh, Clyde, the owner. Um, if if you're ever in that northern Ohio area, you know, they're right off of the, the turnpike and, and route two. Definitely need to go check it out because it's I remember walking in there as a kid just thinking, no way does a place like this exist. You know, you have dreams that a train store like this might exist. And here it is in reality. That's absolutely awesome. And you know what? I completely agree with you there when we came to visit. Because um, when I came down to visit uh, you, we were going also for Steam in the Valley for, for Cuyahoga. And it was just kind of, it was just natural to to, to uh, go to the hobby shop. And, you know, in a really beautiful way, things kind of just mesh perfectly because they seem to be very big nickel plate road fans at uh, at Stockyard Express. So being able to see so much nickel plate road and seeing the Berkshire on the layout and everything was just absolutely amazing and tied it all together. So that's that's really cool. I can't, also can't recommend Stockyard Express enough. Yeah, they are very heavy on nickel plate road and a lot of their custom runs are nickel plate as well. And again, they're really close to the X nickel plate line that would have run from Buffalo to Bellevue, Ohio, which is now the largest rail yard east of the Mississippi, I believe. So nickel plate road had a very, uh, a very big presence in that part of the state when they were around. So yeah, a lot of fans in that area, nickel plate fans. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So it's only natural that you have so much nickel plate road with that much heritage and history around you. Yeah, definitely. So moving on. So since I already poked at being Mr. MTH, I'll poke at being Mr. NS as well. But um, we we already talked about this this topic. However, I want to take it a little bit different here. So you like NS and you like the predecessors to NS. What other rares do you collect, would you say, that are outside of that scope, that are the kind of oddballs out there? Anything that that's in your collection that someone would look at your wall and be like, that doesn't fit at all. Yeah. What was the reasoning behind those? Oh, that's, that's a pretty good question. Um, if I can, if I can secure this eerie triplex, that'll be one of them. Um, <laughs> although, you know, if you having a big boy on the layout is, doesn't quite fit with what I typically buy the other engine on the layout that isn't, strictly NS or its predecessors is the Chesapeake and Ohio Allegheny. And that's primarily because I saw the Allegheny in the Henry Ford Museum when I was a kid. And now that I live here in Detroit, I've actually seen it several times. But when I was growing up, that was the largest steam locomotive I had ever seen. It doesn't run, but it is on display for the public at the Henry Ford Museum. And you can walk right up to it. You can really get an idea of just how ginormous that thing is. You can even go up into the cab of that engine. So I always knew I wanted to have one of those on the layout too. But Chesapeake in Ohio isn't really, besides that engine, I'm not 
you know, over the moon for Chesapeake and Ohio. Um, but that's, that's, I guess, one that might seem a little out of place. Um, I have a Santa Fe Super Chief set, but again, I don't know how you can be in O scale or O gauge without a, a Warbonnet Super Chief set. I mean, that's just a, that's a classic right there. So you, Very you're true gonna, you're statement. Gonna say you're going to summon Ratchford right now. <laughs> that's a hundred percent true. That's <laughs> red blooded American statement. <laughs> uh, I can't get more true than the Santa Fe, but yeah, those are those are great choices, Jason. And I I can relate to you there with uh, with the Allegheny. I when I was in high school, I uh, went on a trip with uh, with a friend out to the Henry Ford Museum. And seeing that engine in person, it is massive. It dwarfs everything else in the rail collection there, and it is truly a sight to behold. It, it's obviously it's not it's no big boy, but it's definitely it definitely pulls its own weight. Um, and the fact that you also have at least at the time I went, I think Richard one Richard Coons layouts was next to it as well. You meant to correct me there, but having that next to the the engine was a really cool experience to see. Yeah, there is a, a layout there right next to the engine. It's actually in the process of being rebuilt right now. Um, one of my friends of the Detroit Three Railers is helping rebuild it. I don't know the history with Richard Kuhn, though, behind it, but you, know, you, you might be right there. Um, and then as as far as the original question, I'm, I do have a lot of foreign diesel power that's not Norfolk Southern, but again, they're all engines that you could see on Norfolk Southern lines or that I have seen on Norfolk Southern lines. So that doesn't really count. Those are still great answers either way. And, and I think, I think I might be right in the Richard Kuhn aspect. If not, well, someone in the discord can politely call me an idiot there. So we'll see. I'm sure, Sid, I'm sure Sid knows. <laughs> oh, I guarantee Sid would know. He'll, he'll tell me later on. Um, but kind of tying in with what you said there um, about the Detroit three railers. Now, um, I got a chance to meet some of the, the great folks from the Detroit Three Railers when when I visited you, and they are a great group. You guys seem to be a really tight knit group of guys who love trains and and get together. Um, what what does that consist of? What is Detroit Three Railers, and what cool memories have you been able to experience as a result of it? Oh yeah, great question, and it's a great group of guys. When I moved up to Michigan, being someone from Ohio and an Ohio State grad, moving to Michigan is very terrifying, but I did have this thought in the back of my head that, oh yeah, isn't there that train club there, that Detroit three railers? I've, I've seen their stuff on YouTube. I've seen some of their layouts. Maybe I can be involved with those guys. And fortunately for me, some of the members had, they knew my YouTube channel and they knew I, I was uh, very involved in the hobby. So they let me attend some meets as a guest. You know, they, they don't just, let anyone off the street into the club. It's not a, it's not your traditional, you know, pay a membership fee and you're in kind of a thing. It's first and foremost is a group of friends. They get along really well. Um, you could take the trains away and you could still, you know, be friends with each other and, and have a good time, but the trains do tie us all together. And, you know, they, the requirements, I guess you could say to be in the club, is you need to be able to to host the members. You need to have a layout or be working on a layout. Um, th again, that's not set in stone of what you have to have, but um, it, it the club has done so well because it it's not 
your traditional, you know, pay to play kind of a club. It's a group of friends. And the way it works is every month, a different member will host the club at their home, Uh, which is another reason why you don't want to just have random people showing up because you're inviting people into your home uh, to see your collection of trains, which are probably very expensive. So, um, but everyone takes a turn hosting. I just hosted this past month, my first official time and um, had a really great turnout. I think um, almost all of our full-time members were able to make it. And it's been a, I'd say a godsend since moving here because I've become really good friends with a lot of those guys. And having a community like that to interact with and share the hobby with, uh, you don't realize that you've been missing it until you find a group like that. I just, I remember once I had gone to a few of these meets, I was just, just thinking, man, if only I had something like this growing up or while I was building my last layout, you know, what a difference that could have made. So I made some really great friends in that group. There's some amazing layouts. Um, you know, Norm Charbonneau is just one of them, but all these guys have outstanding layouts and they're all a little different. No one has the exact same layout as the other guy, which makes it interesting. You go, you go over there and, and you, you see, you see different layout aspects that you haven't seen before. You can really gain some, some great inspiration from seeing a different person's layout every month. Um, so if, uh, again, it's, you're inviting, you can only fit so many people into a basement. So we do have to, you know, we do have to restrict just how many people are in the group. I had to wait a while before I was able to get in. Um, but it, it's, uh, Man, it is a great group of guys. I, I can't say enough positive things about them. They all sound great. And they were the folks who who I got to meet were were awesome. Um, I, it, it's really important to have a group like that if you're able to find that in the hobby. The the social aspect really brings everything together, you know, and it's a very social hobby, as I said many a time before on the podcast. Uh, you, you collect all this stuff and you work hard in your layout and to be able to have people who understand where you're coming from and to appreciate each other's collections and layouts is, is, is phenomenal. Definitely. Way more fun when you have people to, to share it with. And kind of tying in with the community aspect here, my last question for tonight will be um, going off of the fact that you've been on YouTube for 10 plus years now. Um, how has the YouTube climate kind of changed in those 10 years for you personally and what you've observed? And last but not least, um, how do you think has the community has uh, become stronger as a result of all the, the new YouTube renaissance, I suppose is the best way to put it. Well, right now, I think is the best time for anyone to be involved in this hobby on, on YouTube or any social media platform. Uh, for a number of years, uh, the community, I wouldn't really call the train community a community. You know, most of us weren't really talking with each other if we were making videos. In the last maybe two to three years, a lot of us have really connected, uh, you know, including the three of you. Uh, we, we've really turned it more into this is a way for us to share 
our hobby together and communicate and really build a community. That's definitely the YouTube climate has gotten much younger, which is great to see. And a lot of people for years complained, you know, the hobby's dying. There's no young people getting involved. And in fact, I probably would say I was one of those people as well until five years ago. You know, five years ago, I would have been pretty pessimistic about young people in the hobby and where it was going. But fast forward to today, in the last few years, my opinion has totally flipped. I think there's more young people getting involved than I've ever seen. And I might be a relatively young guy in the hobby, but I have been around a long time. And I can definitely say I've never seen this level of involvement from younger model railroaders. And a lot of it just has to do with how they choose to enjoy the hobby and share the hobby. You know, it's on YouTube, it's on Instagram, it's on Discord, it's even on TikTok now. And a lot of the manufacturers, a lot of the hobby shops, you know, they're catching on and they're uh, adapting and they are ensuring that they have a presence on these platforms. And that's really, that's going to be important to connect with these younger guys. And that's, that's exactly what's happening. So I'm very optimistic about the effects that YouTube and these other social media mediums have had on the hobby. I, I only see more and more young guys posting these days, which is, which is great. I try to stop by as many of these channels as I can to watch and, and, you know, leave a comment, uh, you know, at least write something encouraging. And um, it's really cool to see. I've not seen this in my, again, almost 15 years of being on YouTube. This is a very exciting time and it, it, it really makes, makes me happy to see. A hundred percent. I completely agree with you, man. Like it's, it's the brightest the hobby's been in a very long time. And just all these different social media platforms, all these different outlets, all these different talents and and personalities coming to the, coming to the forefront really, really gives hope. And uh, I, I really am excited to see what the hobby has in store. Yeah. We have a great opportunity to grow this hobby for probably the first time in decades. And so those of us who have been doing this for a while and have been involved in this hobby for a while, um, it's, it's up to us. We, we have to make the decision. Are we going to, are we going to welcome this new generation? Are we going to, you know, take them in and foster them and encourage them and teach them some tips and uh, accept that they may do things a slightly different way and share the hobby in different ways, you know, or are we going to, you know, run back to our corner and complain about the hobby dying? You know, it, it's the choices in our hands and I'm, I can be just as much in that. I could be in that negative category too, where I, if I could see somebody doing something and I could choose to be the grouch and say, Oh, you're, you're doing that wrong and that's never going to work. And you know, what are you doing? Or I can choose to take the opposite approach and help teach, encourage and, and support these guys. So, I mean, it's, it's up to us who have been involved in this hobby for a while to, to, to grow this new generation. It's right there. It's happening in front of our eyes. So, you know, we need to, we need to act now. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in, Negativity breeds negativity, right? It's just one of those 
pads that you just you don't want to go down because uh you know and, and the more people do it the more people you know get on the the bandwagon train of ah this hobby's not going anywhere where it's honestly just the opposite you know i you know i know we didn't bring this question up uh during the podcast tonight but like you know i, I think we're in for a great ride uh in the next 10 years i really look forward to seeing where this hobby goes and uh, it's 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 getting popular. It is getting more popular, for sure. Yeah, a lot has changed in the hobby lately. But change is typically, although it's tough to deal with, it usually always results in something positive on the other side. And I think we're seeing that right now. Oh, since since Matt didn't, I I will. Jason, where do you see the hobby in the next ten years? Well, like I said, you asked me that question five years ago, I'd probably have a different answer. And now I am very encouraged of where it's going. I think you're going to see more people sharing their layouts and their creations on Facebook and YouTube, um, probably Instagram and other places as well. Um, I think you're going to see more young people attending you know, some of these big shows like York and breathing a lot of, uh, life into the hobby. Um, 10 years from now, you know, I'm don't want to think about how, how old I'll be, but I guess I'll be an older veteran guy. If I'm, um, and, and I hope that I'm, I hope all of us here, all four of us are welcoming young people into the hobby still, which I, th- I think we will. It's a, transformative time but in a good way so i'm very optimistic of where things are heading well said for sure for sure gotta gotta encourage all the folks into the hobby and keep the doors open except for those guys who want weird anchovy smoke flow those guys are weird yeah hey i can have my cake and well not eat it but you know what i mean But uh, that's that should be uh, it for me. Is there anything else that you guys want to add in, uh, Matt, Matt, or Jason? Uh, no, I just really wanted to thank Jason for uh, letting us poke at you, have some fun, and just uh, really thanks for the interview tonight. It was a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely, my pleasure. It's great chatting with you guys. Um, love your love your podcast. You've had some really great episodes. I'm, I'm proud to be part of a part of this one and. No, really glad that the four of us all met, I don't know, a year ago, two years ago, and, and have become friends. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And just to kind of recap on, you know, what Madsy said, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time out, coming on our podcast. We, we, we really appreciate it. We love hearing uh, stories from all of the different people and characters out there with YouTube channels and and just just anybody that's in the industry uh, that's doing positive things for modern railroading, we, we'd love to have you on the show and and uh, just hear your story. My pleasure. Thanks again. And, and that's all I'm that's mainly what I try to do these days. I just try to be a positive influence in this hobby, if, if anything else. So thank you. Thanks again for having me on. Uh, this has been it's been great. All right. Well. Uh, like uh, all our guests, we want to make sure that uh, people know where to find you. So, Jason, where can people find you on social media? On YouTube, my 
channel name is known as JD Stucks. So you can either search JD Stucks or you can search Jason's O-Gage Trains and that will pop up on YouTube as well. I'm also on Instagram and my Instagram name is Jason's O-Gage Trains. All right. And uh, Johnny, where can people find you, sir? You can find me on YouTube as Audemus, A-U-D-A-M-U-S. So you can find me there uh, screaming at inanimate objects, getting hit in the side of the head with boxes. And occasionally I'll talk trains as well. You can also find me on Instagram as Audemus underscore trains, same title on Facebook. And uh, you can also find me on the Matt and Matt Uskill podcast Discord server as well, where you can find me scrolling through the chats or uh, screaming and making a fool of myself in the voice chat. Uh, Matt Z, where can people find you? Man, they get better and better every time you keep saying them. I know it's not scripted. I can tell now. But <laughs> <laughs> anyhow, you can find me on uh, YouTube under Matt Dash Train Lover 9943. Uh, Facebook under the same name. Instagram as uh, Matt's.hobbies. And like Johnny said, you can find me on the Matt and Matt Discord server, you know, talking, uh, uh, talking talking on the the calls uh maybe occasionally editing a sound set two three or whatever and uh just having a good old time so definitely be sure to check that out and you can find me on youtube at west chicago model railroad i'm under the same name on facebook and you can find me on instagram uh if you just search up wcmrr and that will do it for tonight's episode i wanted again thanks jason for coming on the show and uh, everyone, have a wonderful night. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.